0: Welcome back to Two Pills in a Pod. It's a brand new episode and today we are back with Ian again. So last week's episode, we talked to him about what got him into engineering, what he loves about engineering, the university pathway, and also how he ended up working for Airbus. Today, we want to talk more about his working life in Airbus from graduate scheme to full-time employment, which department he enjoyed the most, We also want to know more about airplanes, actually, and how they manufacture it, the operations, and all that jazz. So if you're interested and you love airplanes, fasten your seatbelt, relax, and enjoy the episode. I remember you were telling me when you were working in the grad scheme, you were rotating in different departments. Yeah. So which one do you like the most? And are you doing the one that you like the most now?
1: Um, so yeah, so on a bit of advertisement for Airbus, Airbus sponsored this podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you,
0: thank you, thank you. <laughs> so, so on
1: the Airbus grad scheme, you get to rotate between different departments. So, okay, let me take a step back. So the, the grad scheme is called, it's quite a lengthy name, but it's called the plant grad scheme, right? So the, the plant or the factory grad scheme you get to rotate around the different teams every three months, different teams across the factory. I did placement with facilities. I did placement with like um, an R&D team. I did a placement with um, our Airbus like methods and processes team, uh, program planning, and another one as well like a digital team. So I think... Out of all all the ones that I've did I definitely enjoyed the digital I'll class it as still under manufacturing because I was still doing quite a lot of manufacturing stuff um, within the team but focus more on digital um, stuff um, I quite like it because you know I was I was dealing with our customers if you like not exactly like airlines and because we view customers as like the next line in the chain so for example if we are manufacturing it, the people who are assembling our wings are our customers. I'll explain a bit more like how Airbus manufacture our stuff a bit later, but so basically, we we send our wings to somewhere else, and then that somewhere else, they are our customers. So I was basically liaising with like the customers, you know, explaining, you know, if something wasn't right, I was there, basically representing the the factory in a way because I was there in front of the customers and saying, okay, this is what happened, this is how we were we are going to resolve it, and da da da. So, it was at quite a high level of interaction. Uh, you know, I was I was dealing with like high level seniors, you know, dealing with engineers, um, quality, and and so many different team like a cross functional team. So mm-hmm. there's there's so many different type of people, so many different type of ideas, so many different type of knowledge all in one room. So that was quite ex- interesting, and also different cultures because I have to travel to like France in, in Toulouse in France, Hamburg in Germany. Uh, there's a few times when we were in a call with um, guys in like USA so yeah so it was it was quite interesting because different cultures work differently and different people have different obviously different ideas so yeah it was it was quite interesting to, to work in that sort of environment because I, I don't think there's many grad schemes who give you that opportunity I think a lot of times mm. a grad scheme only like you know focus on on a specific area for example like if you are tasked with handling this machine all you do during grad scheme is understand this machine so I was quite lucky mm. in that respect.
0: I think you're extremely lucky because not only that you get to see different departments, but you also actually got to do stuff because a lot of times when people say that they do internship, they actually just get coffees and photocopy coffee <laughs> stuff, right? So the fact that you get to do so much, it's yeah. so good that they've given you this opportunity. Is it paid internship?
1: Yes, so both both and you get paid as yeah well. both the yeah. internship and the grad scheme were paid yeah not much but it you know it got me by
0: you mentioned earlier about Airbus and wings mm-hmm. what does that mean <laughs> <laughs> Red Bull gives you wings <laughs> no this case Airbus gives you wings that's a different
1: company um, Red Bull sponsor this podcast <laughs> uh, Airbus basically obviously we manufacture uh, airplanes but how how Airbus was was started was that there were different countries within Europe were divided up to to give different roles so for example in UK back then i think it was BA BA systems and we were in charge of like the wings france they were in charge of the landing gear and also assembling the aircraft hamburg in germany they were also in in charge of like the fuselage some other parts I, you know don't quote me on this and also Spain, which normally do the to explain to people, I call them the wing at the back of the plane. They've okay, called, that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there's there's a specific name for it, but I think I won't bore you with the details. But yeah, so the 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 wings at the back to the stabilize the the plane. So so these four, what we call home nations, um, you know, made up Airbus back in the day. Um, so UK, you know, we 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 our specialty are uh, are the wings. So we manufacture wings, we design them. Um, and we we improve them so how it works is airbus has because it's such a global company we've even got our own transport plane called the beluga Uh, google it if you've never seen (gasps) one i've
0: seen that i've seen it yeah Yeah.
1: so it's quite a funky plane that's basically shaped like a beluga you know where the the front of the plane opens up so like fuselage goes in uh, the wings goes in there and they basically get transported to what we call the files so final assembly line. So UK, you know, I'm specific to like Broughton, North Wales, where the factory is located at and where I work. So we have we manufacture wings, all the wings, in fact. So you've got your 320, 330, 350, and we don't make the 380 more at uh, 380 anymore. But, but yeah, so all, all the main wings. I know this probably doesn't make sense to you, but basically imagine EasyJet, KLM, um mm-hmm. emirates planes right so those emirates, big double decker yeah. so those wings we we made them
0: so you said that they stopped making 380 is that the one with the two level yep, plane yeah double decker one why yep. did they stop that
1: i think there's a there's so many factors to it but i think the main one was the cost so having four engines it was always going to be expensive to maintain uh, and being such a huge jumbo plane as well you'll need Economy of scale. So the more people you can fit in, obviously, the more economically viable it is. It's kind of hard to justify, especially after obviously the 2008 financial crisis and and all that. So it's it was kind of hard to justify prices like on the business class, on the on the 380 first class. You know, you, I'm I'm sure you guys seen like the video of like this suite, like apartment in like this Emirates mm-hmm. suite, and it's crazy, isn't it? But it's hard, kind mm-hmm. of hard to justify that price unless your money is an issue, unless you're, like, printing money all day long. So mm-hmm. for, like, normal people, obviously, we in economy. And I guess, you know, some some routes are fa- more famous than others. Like, for example, like Heathrow to Sydney or Heathrow to, to Kuala Lumpur, for example, or Singapore. You know, those are the main routes. So I would say normally those routes are quite full. But then again, other routes, like, for example, you wouldn't use a 380 to go from, like, Olympus to Singapore cuz the pe- mm. the you know th- there wouldn't be that many people to fill the seats so i think there was only such a niche uh market for the 380 and the orders you know we were hoping the orders would pick up but obviously that it, it didn't happen so i think in the end Airbus decided uh, to shelve the whole project um, it was mm. it was a engineering marvel um you know the plane i you know i love sitting in one but it it's a shame that we had to shelve it
0: so, say if I, I'm like super rich and I want to buy a plane, say like just, you know, a standard 320, right? How yeah. much would that cost me?
1: <laughs> I think a 320 would probably set you back probably about a hundred million. Dollars.
0: Oh! <laughs> yeah. What? You're rich, but not that rich. Yeah, no, never. There's too many zeros.
1: Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, hundred million. What's the cheapest
0: plane we can buy? <laughs> a scrap plane. Maybe like scrap plane. The
1: a plane that cannot fly, I think that's the cheapest <laughs> one. Just
0: the one you put on your mantelpiece, one. <laughs> a toy from plane from the gift that's shop. That. Yeah, from the gift <laughs> shop. What about helicopters? Like, would they be about hundred million also?
1: Not sure, but I, w- I would say it would probably around that region. Uh, if
0: people have private jets, they are like legit then, yeah, like legit rich. Yeah. But you're asking a three eighty. Yeah, a three twenty. That's like The the small ones. 320. 320. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. I don't even want to know how much 380 costs. That's just... I'm going to get a heart attack. (laughs) Oh my god. That's insane. How long is a lifespan of a plane? If it's Airbus, it's longer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know it. If it's Airbus, it doesn't fall from the sky.
1: Um, (laughs) 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 I... I would hazard a guess now because I'm not exactly know everything about Airbus but I w- if I would hazard a guess I'll say probably in the region of 30 years probably there's a whole there's a whole loads of of things that goes into maintaining aircraft you've got your different checks so I think every every few years you need to this I think C B and A level checks so I think you know the aircraft maintenance is a different completely different world for me but I think if I remember correctly, I think every every year obviously you have to do like some checks, right? You have to make sure of every light switch turns on, the toilet flushes and, and all that kind of thing. Every five years I think you check for like structural. Um so I think you strip down I can't remember if it was five or ten years actually. You have to strip down like everything off the plane. So carpets, your your seats, everything has to come off the plane and they check for like cracks and fatigue and anything in the aircraft that might affect it. So it's like a heavy service, if you like, a heavy check. That's why aircrafts are cheap early days because it's covered under warranty, it's cheaper to maintain. But it, once it's past like 10 years, it's, it's difficult to maintain or it's, it's more expensive to maintain because you have to like replace parts and, and all that sort of things. That's why, that's why I guess you, like especially low cost airlines, they always like to get like the latest planes, newest planes and then sell it off after that. Because that's when you get, like, maximum efficiency. And that's when you get, like, the maximum bang for your buck, basically.
0: So it's kind of like a reverse of a car. You want to get a new airplane.
1: Yeah, basically, yeah. Oh, and with, wow. with every airplane, obviously, it's more efficient and it's lighter. Because, like, like, for example, the 350, um, Every we, we always have like what we call incremental improvements. So we don't improve the whole aircraft all at once because that would be too costly, right? So we improve it bit by bit. So for example, maybe this year, we focus more on like the wings. Next year, we focus more about like the, the shape or, or the rear um, wings, you know, stuff like that. So incremental um, upgrades, if you like, that's what Airbus is, is really good at. The plane you buy this year might be completely different, you know, 20 years when you buy the exact same plane i'll be completely different Mm
0: -hmm. kind of like iphone (laughs) basically yeah (laughs) yeah but like plain (laughs) (laughs) what aspect of your job do you enjoy the most and what is the most challenging part of it
1: i think the the aspect that i love or enjoy the most is definitely like the human interaction like the you know i i don't i don't go to work or i can't go to work you know just for the sake of doing work i think that's a pretty Mm -hmm. boring life You know, I enjoy talking to people, uh, enjoy like bouncing off ideas, having some banter, you know, especially now, you know, we've got the football. I think that aspect I enjoy the most, you know, know, interacting with people Mm -hmm. Um, because, yeah, you know, I I can get bogged down. You know, it's very easy for me to like sit down on the commuter. you know, work on Excel and, you know, typing out a spreadsheet. But I think I could probably only go like maybe a few hours on that. Then after that, I'll have to take a break. But what I do during mm-hmm. the break, you know, I go out and talk to people, and so I can't get away with, you know, speaking to people. You can't stop yeah. talking. Basically, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the most challenging aspect of the job, um, I'll definitely say, is coming up with solutions to like problems. Um, I think in in uni it's quite easy, isn't it? Like you get like group projects mm-hmm. and and all this, but because it doesn't affect someone else's life, it doesn't put anyone else's life at risk. So in a way, you kind of like. You're like in a sandbox, so it doesn't matter what you come up with; it doesn't affect other people. Whereas, you know, at work, there's a, there's always like time constraints, uh, budget constraints, resources, you know, health and safety, and, and all these sort of things, um, you know, they come into play. And you know, you are affecting someone's livelihood. For example, I was I was speaking earlier about my job, how I am a troubleshooter. So, for example, if there was like a water leak um, near the near the machine. For me, the simple job, you know, the simple answer would be, okay, just seal it up, right? Just take a duct tape, seal it up. But it's not as easy as that because it could be that where it's leaking, it could be hard to get into the space. So then you need to think about ergonomics and, and all that sort of things. It could be limited budget. They might not have, you know, the budget immediately to repair it. Or maybe even like contractors, you know, resource. You might get like where Airbus, um, how Airbus like, solve like you know facilities problem is we've got a subcontractor and it could be that those contractors are busy dealing with like more critical issues or repairs elsewhere on site so you know what what do you do then you know you don't have the people to fix it you don't have the budget to fix it and you don't have the the right tools to fix it or the the health and safety you know buy off to to fix it so what do you do that sort of Problem solving, you know, I think that's the, the most challenging aspect um, because you're like there cracking your head, you know, smashing a head on the wall thinking, oh, what do I do now? That sort of, I'm, I'm sure as pharmacists, you guys have to deal with that as well. <laughs> um, definitely based on the stories you guys tell me, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> Has there been any problems that you cannot solve?
1: I think there's been problem where I had to escalate it to my manager. I mm-hmm. don't think there's an issue where we can't solve, it's just that you need the right people to solve it. I mean, like for me personally, yeah, definitely. Um, Where, where it's probably a bit too technical for me because, you know, the machine is such a complex robot basically. And I don't understand every single aspect of it. So there are times when I have to tell operators, sorry, I don't know how, how to resolve your issue. Let me go speak to my manager and see how we can resolve it. So I think that's the hardest bit. Like I said, that's the hardest bit is how do I come up with a solution? And, you know, sometimes with operators, they're doing the job, they're frustrated, they don't have the right tools. You know, it's a hot day. You know, there's so many aspects that comes into play and you're just there like a monkey thinking, I don't know. (laughs) You know, what do you do? I don't know. (laughs) So sometimes I can say definitely for sure, like sometimes... Um, You have to act it You know You have to act like You know your shit mm-hmm. um, Me
0: every day mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> But not in a bad way You know It's not like Oh I completely have no idea So I'm just gonna wing it And like You know Tell mm-hmm. you Come up with like a Random solution Um, It's mm-hmm. more of like Winging it by saying Okay guys I don't need the answer But Let me find out You know That I think being honest With like people I think that's the key I find like How to overcome These challenges Like how to Mm -hmm. resolve problems just being honest like just say you don't know Mm
0: -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. that's something that like took me so long to get and to like practice in my life because for us as pharmacists we are kind of like the last port of call right for help in the Mm. dispensary so if we don't in terms of pharmacy obviously like if it's like admin stuff there's people to look to but like you don't know every single interactions you don't know every single drugs right so sometimes when people ask me something and I don't know, I'm like, "Oh my god, I don't know this! <laughs> like, what do I do next? Like, I can't, I can't just like make up something, you know?
1: Come back <laughs> another like, day, come back tomorrow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Let me Google. <laughs> no joking. <laughs> yeah. So it's just hard to kind of admit sometimes that mm-hmm. I don't know. But then it's okay to admit that you don't know because yeah. no one knows mm-hmm. everything, right?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the the quicker the quicker you acknowledge you know you don't know the quicker you find you, the quicker you get to a solution resolution to as well it. yeah because the longer you linger on you know the longer you tell oh hang on I think I know this I, I think I know how to solve your problem I think I know the longer you dragging on you know that that burst water pipe might be flooding the whole factory mm-hmm. you know so <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you mentioned that um there's Airbus in in France in um Hamburg in Germany. Yeah. Are you planning to, in, and in Spain, are you planning to work in one of the countries? or And do you need to know the language in order to work in that country?
1: Uh, definitely. Um, I think it's such a good experience because, like I said, Airbus is such a multinational company, right? So if you stick to just one country, you don't really get the essence of Airbus because Airbus really is mm. a multinational, multicultural company. So like our HQ is in, in Toulouse, right, in, in France. So I'll definitely try to, at some point, definitely do a stint there. I mean, I, during my grad scheme, I was lucky enough to travel back and forth, you know, with, with Hamburg and, and Toulouse. But I think it's a different thing if you actually, you know, work there for a good, you know, a few months or a few years, um, understanding how they work, you know, how about the culture as well. It's just a different world because I think in the UK, the work culture in the UK will de- is definitely different than like in France. And it's definitely different in like Germany, and it's definitely different in like mm-hmm. the US, for example. Um, mm-hmm. One thing definitely, the biggest difference for me is definitely like the food, and how like the Europeans approach lunchtime. So like in the UK, right, like lunchtime half twelve, right, everyone goes to the to the fridge, takes out their lunch, put in the microwave, and then takes it back mm-hmm. to the desk, and then like on their phone or on their PC. You know, I'm I'm guilty of it as well because you know that's how everyone does it, but when I was going to, like, France and, and, you know, in Germany, you know, people were like, okay, 12 o'clock, we've got an hour lunch, right? Everyone stop what they're doing. Everyone walks to the canteen. So I I think rarely anyone brings in their own lunch. They walk down the canteen and you get served, like, amazing food. Like, you get salad. Really? yeah. Like, I remember in what? Toulouse, like, there's a salad bar. There's, like, yogurts. There's, like, desserts. You've got, like, steaks. You've got um tart- like you know like tata, like raw what's it called like oh f- egg tartar or beef tartar or something like that um
0: oh i love those yeah sign me up i want to go
1: <laughs> it's amazing
0: <laughs> see i think that's why he wants to work in france it's because of the food not about the job experience nothing it's just the food who cares <laughs> the canteen is a lot better there yeah. <laughs> Just get to the point, Ian.
1: Exactly, yeah. <laughs> she can the, the UK. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I would say the best one, right? The best one is definitely in, in Hamburg, Germany, right? I think there was an event uh, in, in Hamburg and there was pork knuckle and oh <gasps> my goodness.
0: <gasps> imagine, oh! imagine having
1: pork knuckle for lunch and then going...
0: I will have it every day. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> That's life.
1: Yeah. It was... Imagine it was so heavy, right? That and is I, it free? No, no. But it's a reduced price. It's a re- heavily oh. reduced price. Staff price. It'd be staff
0: price. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Is there Airbus in Asia that we can have Asian food? <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> sum.
1: Let me let me call the Airbus CEO. Hello? Hello? Is there Airbus in Malaysia? Can you explain? <laughs> there's an Airbus China. There's there's a factory in China. Oh. But they, they but they they're like in a way they're in their own bubble so they ha- they do their mm. own wings, they do their own like fine assembly line, but they only serve the Chinese market, so the planes that are made in China can only serve you know in China they can't go overseas because of like the certification and you know the rules and agreement with Airbus uh Europe, if you like you know the the pre agreed agreements, mm. but you know China itself you know this domestic market is huge you know mm, yeah, so that that's enough to cater for the chinese market but
0: yeah. There's mm-hmm.
1: there's Airbus offices worldwide, you know? Like there's Airbus Malaysia, Airbus Singapore, Airbus every country will have an Airbus because you have to remember like airlines who like buy Airbus aircraft, they need you know, when 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 for example if I'm I don't know, Singapore Airlines, when my plane breaks down, who do I go to? I need to go to like an Airbus representative. And and so every country has like a local like representative or if not there's like a regional representative, right? So I know there's like Airbus office in like KL in Singapore. and Singapore and so within that offices they are what they call like field service representatives and these people are the ones who you know liaise with the customers like Singapore Airlines and then these field service rep then go on to like Airbus to say hey guys my my customer Singapore Airlines they need this spare part what can we do can we you know and if it's urgent you know then the field service rep will obviously try to chase it up and say come on guys we need to you know it's urgent you know, we, we need to get this done that sort of things and and also obviously to sell planes you know service rep will always try to <laughs> we need to sell our planes to these customers so try to sell new products <laughs> yeah.
0: every kind of industry there's always sales right there's course, always sales yeah. and marketing mm. every single even mm. planes there's still sales and marketing of course wow yeah that's where the money comes from yeah definitely just to wrap up the episode do you have any advice or tips for young aspirational engineers who wants to follow on your footsteps
1: uh i would say go for it um it's such a rewarding career and like i said there's so many industries you can go in uh, not just the engineering you know if you study mechanical it's not just mechanical engineering you have to you work in you know there's so many other industries you can work in I would say my biggest advice is don't do engineering for the sake of doing it. You know, make sure there's something, you know, within engineering, you know, that you're passionate about. It could be cars, it could be repairing something, it could be energy, you know, any anything. Make sure you've got something that ties you into engineering. Because I think if you don't, it's very easy to lose sight of why you're doing it in the first place. And I think maybe that's why, you know, people say engineering is a hard degree. I think maybe because they don't have a passion for uh, the subject that's probably why they're struggling with engineering because they can't see the bigger picture because all they're seeing is i'm just doing a degree for a job you know that sort Mm. of thing so that would be my biggest piece of advice for anyone wanting to go engineering try to try to get some you know any aspect of engineering be passionate about it and and yeah definitely go for it
0: Well, I guess that's it for today For this episode with Ian Again, thank you so much For sharing your experience And spending time with us And also thank you so much For the crisp audio Love it (laughs) (laughs) My pleasure Finally, we have a guest with Mike (laughs) Yeah Thank you
1: Is this ASMR enough?
0: (laughs) 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 If you've enjoyed this episode Please Follow us on Spotify, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at 2 and on Facebook at 2 We also have a website www2 where you can look at our show notes and also donate. Wink wink. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, That's it for today then. Bye. Bye. Bye.